in unsurpassed, penetrating, and perfect dharma, is with even a hundred thousand million kalpas, having yet to see and listen to, to remember and accept, I vow to taste the truth of the Tathagata's words. Good morning. Today is the last day of our session, and also it's the last day of our practice period. Uh, usually we would go another week, we go six weeks, but I'm not sure any of us could, I'm not sure we could handle that exactly, <laughs> but it's been wonderful. And Sashin, it's wonderful to be back in Zendo for this extended time, uh, for the first time in two and a half years together. Uh, and just doing our schedule, even though the schedule is a little different than it had been, uh, and perhaps it will be, but uh, it's really, it feels very settled. And uh, I really appreciate the effort that everyone is making. So I've been thinking this, this afternoon, we will have uh, the Shuso ceremony uh, with uh, Ensan Chotoku, Round Mountain, Clear, Genuine, Gary. Uh, and I've been, I wanted to say something about uh, being Shuso and the Shuso ceremony and sort of some of the thinking, reflecting back on some of the history uh, of our Shusos and our practice periods here. Um, you know, I, the Shuso sits at the abbot's right hand and is really is the abbot's right hand in offering teaching, in offering this really wonderful example of practice, of setting aside uh, all of his or her other concerns for this period and just being there, meeting with uh, all the students uh, and exploring in depth uh, a koan that's, that I presented to him. All of those are tasks of the Shuso. Uh, in, in some places, uh, it's, a, it's an interesting thing because the Shuso is sort of standing at a threshold or standing at an edge and stepping over a threshold from uh, into a role where uh, they take up more responsibility for teaching or responsibility for the Dharma in the future. And uh, on the one hand, the activity of the Shuso Say during work period is 
is very humble. But the humble is also uh, the precious. So here, uh, during work period, Gary's been cleaning the toilets. That's a traditional role for the shoe. So at Tassahara, I believe they do the compost. Uh, and uh, there's a lot of compost. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, also, uh, so uh, at Tassahara in the city center, Greek Gulch, they, they run the wake up bell every day. So they have to get up before everyone and run through the run through the monastery, ringing the bell, waking everyone up. Some of us as Shuso have, have have done that here, just been responsible for the clappers every day, particularly when people were resident here. Um, I went back to explore and found uh, a windbell from 1967, San Francisco Zen Center, which was their first practice period. Uh, I think Suzuki Roshi had just um, earlier that year, I think, had ordained Richard Baker as a priest. And Richard Baker was, uh, was the first Shuso. And there were some quotations from Suzuki Roshi in the um, in this window. And he talks about the Shusa ceremony. And it's interesting. He calls it a discussion ceremony. So I think uh, as Laurie and I were speaking earlier, Suzuki Roshi was very aware that the language he used, the way he framed the practice uh, here was going to have a large impact. You know, so strictly speaking, we use for, we call this uh, Shuso Hosen Shiki. Uh, so Shuso is Shuso, Shuso means head seat. Uh, and uh, Shiki, is ceremony and hosen means dharma combat and it's i think noteworthy that suzuki roshi did not use the word combat and that our attitude towards uh towards the ceremony here is not combative uh, it's bringing forth the Dharma. So Suzuki said, the discussion ceremony is very old. It originated in China and still exists in Japan. However, however, in Japan, it is more often, it's often more of a formality than anything else. The Shuso is often a young student without the experience necessary to answer questions about Zen that presuppose some maturity. So usually uh, it's, it's young monks who would enter the monastery uh, either directly from their home temples uh, or after uh, a couple of years of university 
and uh, they would have very little real Zen experience up to that point. Um, and so it was really thrusting them into a role and it's, it's kind of a, it's a role that perpetuates uh, the lineage. Uh, but for us, it's a little different. So Suki Roshi says, the young Shuso is given, so this is the way they do it in Japan. The young Shuso is given the answers which have been given to the questions which have been given out to other students. So it's scripted. Uh, and so what, what's asked of the Shuso in that circumstance is, can you bring your presence fully to the exchange? Can you, it's, it's actually, it's sort of like the Soto version of koan practice. Can you embody and demonstrate with your voice, with your actions, with your comportment, your understanding of these words that you have been given as a script, which is hard. Uh, but it's, it's not the same as answering the questions that are just raised and offered to you sincerely by uh, your brothers and sisters in the Sangha. So he, Suzuki Roshi continues, in America, the ceremony has returned closer to its original content and feeling. Zentatsu, that's Richard Baker, is well into his practice and somewhat older than his Japanese counterparts. No questions were given out. Uh, Chino Sensei, that's Koben Roshi, uh, he said, told the students to choose questions which demonstrated their own understanding of Zen and which probed the understanding of the Shuso. Something was obviously expected from the Shuso, and the Zendo was charged with skeptical excitement. How can a student answer a question that would usually be asked of a Roshi? And it's about to be resolved in one way or another. So, um, Sojin Roshi was Shuso in uh, the fall of 1970. I think he had been ordained the year before uh, here in Berkeley, and then he went and did a practice period. Uh, and that practice period was led by uh, Tatsugami Roshi. Tatsugami Roshi was a, was a Japanese priest who had been the Eno, or the formal Zen, Zendo manager position, which is a very high position at Eiji. Uh, and he was a strong kind of bluff guy who spoke no English at all. Sojin talks about it in his book. He said, we would talk to each other uh, I would talk in English and Tatsukami Roshi would talk in Japanese and somehow we seemed to understand each other very well. 
Maybe so. <laughs> but uh, I think they did. Sojourn always expressed love for Ratnagami Roshi and great respect. Uh, and some of you, uh, when I was, when I'd been training uh, people to do the Bodhisattva ceremony, uh, I, I give out a, I have a recording, uh, which includes Sojourn and Fran Tribe, uh, but it also has, uh, it's a very grainy, sort of noisy recording of Tatsugami Roshi uh, doing the Bodhisattva ceremony. And it's, it's really deep and raw, and there's something to be learned just by listening to his voice and how he embodied that ceremony. So Sojourn writes, uh, when I had, in 1970, when I had my Shuso ceremony, Tatsugami had me look away from the students. In other words, he was sitting in the middle of the room, but he was facing the altar and everybody else was in back of him. And uh, Tatsugami characterized it as questions coming from all sides. So uh, it was unusual, and I've never seen it done that way again. Uh, I'm not sure. I don't think they ever did it again that way. But maybe this is how they do it in, in some places. Uh, but uh, we're not going to put Gary through that. <laughs> Try it. You want to face the wall? You don't have to look at anybody. <laughs> and uh, but I have seen, you know, there there are places uh, where when somebody's giving a dharma talk like this, uh, they're also they're facing the altar and people are behind them. So it's it kind of it's a way of depersonalizing. Uh, and just allowing the Dharma to speak for itself. Uh, I wish that I, I, I looked for it. I think I gave it to Mel, uh, to, to Liz rather. Um, when we were going through Sojourn's papers, I found something I'd never knew about or seen. It's a, it's a diary, a day-by-day -day diary of his Shuso term, where he wrote every day. Uh, it's, it's really interesting, you know, and you see, you know, it's great to see the young Sojin, uh, you know, wrestling with all the things that Gary's wrestling, the other Shusos have wrestled, and every, every student here has, and it just, it's very direct, it's very clear. Uh, I, I, I'll have to borrow it back from Liz and see if we can sort of make it available. So this is the 32nd Shuso we've had. I want to, before I go into talking about Berkeley, just uh, see if there's other details that I wanted to share with you. Um, it's, it seems there's, there's different ways that different temples organize the practice period and organize the Shuso's. Some places the Shuso is 
she's suffering here. Uh, and they have, they may have a lot of administrative responsibilities and positional responsibilities, uh, not just not just sitting. Um, some places, it's interesting the the person who's the Benji is and that's Nancy, who's been doing a wonderful job as Benji, uh, is seen as sort of Shuso in on deck, you know, Shuso in waiting. We don't do it quite that way, but uh, you know, often the Benji d demonstrates characteristics that uh, are really worthy of our deep respect and worthy of seeing as you so at some point in time. One of the things I read that the Shuso must protect the heart of the practice and the desire to train in Sangha. And sometimes the best way to do this is by example, often by the example of forbearance and stillness. Grace, humility, and willingness is the key to the Shuso's success. In Japan now, uh, so there's a Shuso for every practice period, and the practice periods take place at training monasteries. Usually someone is ordained at their home temple, and then they're sent to the training monastery. So for each training monastery, there's usually only one Shuso per practice period. So what about all those other people? Well, um, even in the Soto documents, uh, it says, so currently appointment to the Shuso uh, and Hosen Shike are, are often performed for form's sake separately from the actual training. Uh, there may not even be, sometimes what I've seen is that the, the Shuso ceremony is actually the photograph that they take of you with the fan. Um, you know, they said they set up the zendo. It looks as it looks like the ceremony has taken place, but the, the real thing is the photograph. So this is what Suzuki Roshi warned us about. Looks like good, you know. Uh, it, it's weird. And I've I've seen it. I've seen it done. Uh, and uh, often the Shuso ceremony is uh, done in conjunction with the mountain seat ceremony. And it, the Shuso ceremony kind of is seen as the abbot uh, kind of planting the Dharma banner. So this is, in, in that sense, uh, this is a significant event for me and for us. Uh, 
we're not so strict about it, but I remember, uh, boy, it's a long time ago, uh, when when they had built Kojinan, uh, I don't know, have any, have you all been, have any been, has anyone been to Kojinan? Kojinan is Akiba Roshi's uh, temple in Oakland on Chabot. It's really beautiful. There's a whole, there's a whole Japanese temple there, you know, with a little zendo with, uh, I think, 12 seats. Uh, and it's very, it's traditional joinery is, you know, it's beautiful. Uh, and when Akiba Roshi was installed in his mountain seat, it was a big ceremony. They had, they had dozens and dozens of priests came from Japan. And uh, our friend uh, Bob Yanisek, who was a resident here uh, for quite a while, uh, he was the Shuso. And it was a it was a one it was a one day practice period, uh, but it was a real Shuso ceremony. Were you there, Ross? Yeah, you were the Benji. But not a picture. Oh, maybe so. <laughs> I don't. I don't. I don't remember much. I just what I remember is like what actually I remember is all these Japanese priests. They couldn't agree on anything, <laughs> and each one of them had their their books of. Uh, of ceremonies and and you know their guides how they did it and they all came from different temples so they all did things differently and that was wonderful to watch them come to agreement and the ceremony was real though uh that the kibaroshi set it up so people people asked uh asked fabianasek real questions uh and it, it was wonderful uh, yeah, as re in reference to what Ross said, I don't remember a lot of stuff. You know, I don't remember exactly what I did. Uh, there's a lot of these ceremonies that I don't remember. Yeah. What I observed was just your quiet presence next to our Dharma brother who resided here in the midst of all this sort of cultural flowing and just your, both your old stillness right there just to support. I don't know, behind the scenes, which what may have wasn't, inspired. For me, it wasn't. There was my, I just did what I was told. Yeah. yeah. Well, it looked good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it, might, it might have been good. <laughs> and I'll, just, I'll post, I'll find the picture and post it on the bulletin. Yeah. And just to say, this is exactly, this is exactly the mind with which I and all the people who are working on the funeral are you know we're we're getting direction in this very complex funeral as Gary's been getting direction in this very complex ceremony and just trying to absorb it and I don't have any ideas you know I just like okay tell me what we have to do so I was thinking uh, as I said we had we've had thirty two practice periods here. Uh, and I, I actually printed out a list. It's quite amazing. An amazing group of people. Uh, quite a number of you are here today. If I look around, there's, there's Andrea, there's Susan, there's Ross, there's Jerry, 
there's Carol, there's Karen, there's Mary. Judy did it in another location. Uh, and there's, am I missing anyone? Uh, there's uh, just 32 people. What? Lorian. Lorian, yeah, yeah. Well, Susan's here. So what I recall is that um, I saw my first Shuso ceremony in the spring, winter spring of 1988 at Tassajara. And uh, the Shuso was Uh And it was just a terrific, it was a terrific practice period. And he was a wonderful model of uh, Shuso and teacher. And he's certainly flowered as a, a terrific teacher. And also, in a formal sense, he's a drama heir of, of Sojins. What year was that? That was in the spring of 88. Uh, and what, what I, once I got that chronology in place, I realized that I must have come back. This was actually, I, I went to Tassajara in January of 88, and Maley Scott and Fran Tribe were ordained here, I think it was the week before I went down there. It was in January of 1988. I just checked all these dates. Uh, and I, I think what happened was that I came back from Tassajara, and now we had priests. There had been one other person ordained here uh, who had, by Sojin, who had left. Uh, but Meili and, and Fran were really abiding presences at Berkeley for many years, certainly from before, well before I was here, and just we all really respected and loved them. Uh, and I spoke to Sojin when I returned, and I said, why don't we do a practice period here and have a Shusel? And I think other people really reinforced and liked that idea. And so that, that was the first. So uh, uh, Maylee Scott was the first Chuso here in December of 1989. And then uh, Fran Tribe was, uh, was a Chuso about six months later in June of 1990. Uh, and then it became an annual event. So the next Shuso was Rebecca Maeno. Uh, all these people are not with us, at least in body. What I remember about Rebecca's was, I don't remember the questions, answers. It's more like I remember kind of the tone and the feeling of things. The thing about Rebecca's, I think, was the longest Shuso ceremony ever. <laughs> Ty was wrong. Oh, maybe so. Maybe uh -huh. so. Sojin got so mad at us because everybody said to Ron how much they loved him and what he was good at. <laughs> at the end, Sojin said, you're not supposed to do that. <laughs> good. See, that, there's something remembered. Yes. By the way, yeah. Ross was the Benji for Rebecca. Ah. 
yeah, it was wonderful. I mean, it was like, it went on and on and it was just, but it was, it was great. It was essence of Rebecca. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah. Rebecca, um, I guess that was my first um, She's So Ceremony that I experienced him. I, and I had never questioned, it was my first practice period. And I said, I was so scared to ask a question. And, but she was so loving. I said, do you think I could be a Zen student? She said, oh, yes. <laughs> That's wonderful. Joel? Yeah, I just wanted to point out that the statues on the altar. Yes. This Prashant Paramita is made by Rebecca. Also, the Jizo in the, the Jizo altar in the back. She was a wonderful sculptor and just a wonderful person. All these people were so wonderful, are so wonderful. And the Kuan Yin on the altar was uh, made by Jack, who was in your dream. Right. In my dream yesterday, I spoke of Jack Van Allen, and he forged that the Kuan Yin, also in my wedding ring, Lori's wedding ring, which we went through. Jack was, was quite the character. You know, when, when we met with him for this ring, we find we find finally I said, Jack, I'm not marrying you. <laughs> when the Zendo was built, uh, he donated a bunch of uh, his foundry yeah. uh, objects, so they're in the walls that were staring. Oh, I didn't know that. Were staring at yeah. uh, his Buddhas. I, I didn't see them. I just it was reported to me that that's, that he offered them. When I when I look around just my house and stuff, there's there's all these Jack Van Allen things. He was Jusso. Uh here? not here. Uh, it might have I forget it might have been in Green Gulch. Or it might have been at Zen Mountain Monastery. Uh, not rather uh, uh Sonoma Mountain. But it was it was really a wonderful thing for him. So then we just gone on for there. I remember again, like I don't remember any of the questions or answers, but I, if I'm remembering correctly, David Weinberg's was done in it. It was a power outage, right. and so we did it all by candlelight. Right. <laughs> it was lovely. I was the benchy that year. Ah. <laughs> and, um, yeah, it was at night. It was raining, and there was no power. And it was beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> So there's so many of these memories. There's memories of people uh, of Shuso's bursting into song, uh, of shouting, of them being stumped, you know, of uh, the thing about the Shuso ceremony is that everything is revealed. Everything is already already revealed in the course of the practice period, but in the ceremony, it's kind of a it's compressed. Your your wisdom, uh, your understanding, your lack of understanding, whatever it is, the important thing is for the shuso and also for everybody in the assembly is just to show up, just honestly and simply show up. So I wanted to give some 
you'll get some instructions again uh, right before the ceremony from from Lori, uh, I believe. Is that right? Uh, but just some points to to be aware of. Uh, so you're going to be a lot of people in this ceremony. So take your take your get settled in your body and breathe. You know. So it looks like there's going to be close to sixty people. Uh, thirty in the zendo and thirty online have already registered. Uh -huh. So I encourage you really to be concise, to ask a question, not an abstract question, a Dharma question that comes from your heart or from your hara, uh, and make it a, a simple and direct question. And Gary will try to give you a simple and direct response. And so it's an opportunity to meet. Uh, the place where people seem to go astray sometimes is that the question is too conceptual or people feel it's incumbent on them to offer a preface that can go on and on to the question. Just, you know, what, what uh, Roshi Joan Halifax says, no arias, you know, just, uh, it's, it's not about you singing, it's about really bringing up the Dharma together. Uh, so I'd like to advise you to, to do that. And also, uh, my advice to Gary, which I'm happy to share with you all is, first of all, enjoy it. And make sure you just find your breath as you take the seat. Uh, the posture of the shuso in that seat. So the shuso, you'll see, has a fan in one hand and has the shipe, dharma staff, in the other. And they're holding it and they're sitting upright and they are exposed. There's a vulnerability to the posture. This is something that uh, Blanche Hartman, uh, I think, communicated to to us at, at some point. Just it's an openness, you know. It's like yes, there's strength with your fan, strength with your shipe, but your belly is bare. Your chest is open. It's just zazen posture. Ah, uh, so. That's the, the attitude. Enjoy. Uh, go with your first your first thoughts. Don't try to think too hard about it. Sometimes you'll think. And also what I think you want experiences uh, is you get into a rhythm. You settle in, you can settle into the ceremony. It maybe starts haltingly in some ways, but then you get into it and then you're just, you're in the groove.
you know. Uh, and we should be in the groove ourselves in the in the ceremony. I'm so used to sitting there and and asking a question. Uh, but in this position that I take, with, you know, having raised the, planted the Dharma banner, I just watch. And uh, I plan to enjoy as well. So I'm going to stop there and see if you have any questions or thoughts uh, as we move into this, uh, this really auspicious afternoon. Ross. Hi, thank you for the introduction to what's going to take place today. Um, for today, as well as in general, what came to mind was um, at a Shuto ceremony, Sojin, uh, he made a sound and it stopped. And he said, he leaned over to the Shuto and said, stop trying to explain things. And then the energy and the tempo kind of built up. And it's a kind of an ongoing tension about how much, in general, how much do we explain our understanding and how much do we just present it? And right. some people need more talk and explanation, others are more like visual as of being around that. Could you say a little bit about like our practice in general um, in that spirit, as well as, you know, for our ceremony and reminding us? Well, I think we're always trying, it, it's, you know, it, it, it's like I was speaking of the other day, this, this tension uh, between gravity and spirit. Uh, you know, our explaining mind is the gravity side, perhaps, and the spirit is just the bubble of thought that, that arises. Um, and we're constantly finding a balance, and each person has a each person, each so each each person has their own style, their own way of uh, expressing themselves, and sometimes it's more, maybe more elaborate, and that's that's not bad. I mean, I don't, <laughs> I don't remember. Sojin, Sojin was not. I don't remember him interrupting Rebecca. Uh, you know, Rebecca was Rebecca. And, you know, it's like, fine. And sometimes, but sometimes what happens is that the Shuso gets caught. And explaining is often a sign that they're, they're caught. And so it's a reminder, uh, you know, really look for what the first thought is that arises. It's not always that the first thought is the best thought, but, uh, it's usually honest in one way or another. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks. Lisa. I appreciate the open invitation to bring a question that she presented at the very beginning of session because it has informed the whole session. Mm. And it seems impossible in one question, in one Shuso ceremony, to bring it all. <laughs> so I'm very curious to see what happens. Yeah. You, you don't know now, yeah. right? Even though you may have been working on a question, or even though you may think you have a question, 
हाँ डोंट गेट कॉर ऑन इट जस्ट हाँ बिकॉज वेन इट कम्स टू योर मोमेंट एस्क क्वेश्चन समथिंग एल्स मे बी रियली प्रेजेंट फॉर यू ऑल्सो ईच ऑफ आर क्वेश्चन आर कंडीशन बाय दी अदर क्वेश्चन एंड रिस्पॉन्सेज एंड आर क्वेश्चन आर डिटर्मिन बाय how we are energetically meeting the shoes up uh so just be open don't try to figure this out in advance anyone else here anyone online so blake there's a question uh let me go to chat here what was the question uh, is what was my experience of what was my experience of my own chuso ceremony i can't honestly say i remember much about it uh but i gave myself the advice to enjoy it and what i remember was there you know there was some nervousness and anxiety at the beginning and then that sort of dropped away and i pretty much enjoyed it and i don't know whether it was good or bad or what i have i have very little recollection of it uh, uh a certain sense of relief when it was over Karen? i remember yours okay it was good <laughs> good. 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 <laughs> good, bad, you know. Uh yeah, thank you. Uh let's see. Lori Sanaki? Oh, Lori Sanaki. Okay. <laughs> I was I was remembering uh yours, which I don't remember the questions and answers so much, but what I remember is that you had talked you had the koan of bodhidharmas coming from the west which in the old days was everyone's i think or it was the one you read or something i it was, no, it, was it was most it was very common yeah it was the seminal i think at tasahara they always did that i think somehow it was an innovation that you got your own koan so anyway you were doing bodhidharmas and i think the people before you maybe had too i'm not sure but um you talked a lot you really got in in your talks during the practice period you really got into the story of of uh of bodhidharma's uh and and emperor wu in some way that made the questions be very much about that and i remember norman i specifically remember norman's congratulation was like I've never heard anything like this before about Bodhidharma and Emperor Wu. Like somehow, as a practice period, we had really digested that story and were thinking about it and questioning it. So it was very, I just remember that as being a really nice moment. Oh, thank you. What I, what I can recall of my, uh, when I'm studying a koan, I try to uh, occupy all the characters in the koan and usually you know uh emperor wu is the fall guy he's the guy that doesn't get it he says you know uh you know 
he he asks Bodhidharma, who is this before me? And Bodhidharma says, I don't know. No knowing. And uh, he asks, you know, then he, he's uh, with some consternation. He says, I built all these all these temples and monasteries. What merit is there? And Bodhidharma says, no merit whatsoever. You know, really tough stuff. And then Bodhidharma, you know, sort of flips his robe and walks off and, uh, you know, who was that masked man? Um, and my my perspective, which which I think is is still my perspective, was that that truth would not have been brought forth without Emperor Wu. That Emperor Wu was, uh, it was a dialogue and that we learn, we owe a debt of gratitude to Emperor Wu for allowing us, for, for showing himself. Anyway, that's what I recall. Other thoughts? Questions? Anyone out there? Yeah. You mentioned it like, are there any more questions reminding me of Sojin saying there are no wrong or dumb, stupid questions because it actually invites a dialogue, which you just really illuminated so nicely. Yeah. And uh, the response to what we learned from that. Right. I mean, the thing is that. For whatever reasons, we often carry our own shame. You know, we carry our own reluctance to to speak. You know, our, our wish to uh, to perform well, to ask a good question, to be a good Zen student, and um, that's all extra. It's all extra to just stepping forward and asking your question uh, sincerely, whether it's good or not. Yeah, that's, I think that's exactly right. Yeah, Andrea. Thank you, Fusion. Yeah. Fusion, sorry. So along those lines, this, this exchange is, re, is reminding me one of the really wonderful aspects of the Shuso ceremony I've enjoyed being a part of is that we all help the Shuso. Yeah. So there's, you know, we go around the room and everyone asks a question and sometimes the Shuso is right on and sometimes they kind of get the, the exchange it kind of works or maybe it doesn't and the Shuso kind of gets caught or, and then people further on can continue to ask questions to really help them support the Shuso. It's a very dynamic process of exchange. It's not one way the Shuso answered all the questions. We're, both, we're all making it happen. You know, I mean, I think that echoes the what happens in the Shuso entrance ceremony where uh, people uh, promise to support the Shuso and the Shuso promises to support the Sangha. And uh, this is this is why uh, this idea of Dharma combat is not so, does not hit the mark for me, you know, but we're not in a, you know, 
we're trying not to, we're trying to transform the martial aspects of our culture. I'm talking about this country, uh, not just Zen, but Zen too. And so, yeah, that's the spirit. Joel. Yeah, uh, it's great. I was just remembering when Laurie was speaking to her ceremony, and that whole week, she was so radiant. Mm-hmm. It was incredible. And I asked her that, and she seemed quite taken aback. And I said, how do you do that? And she says, do something really scary. And I just keep remembering that. And it was, it was beautiful. Well, yeah, thank you. This is a really, I mean, it reminds me of just saying to be the Shuso and to do the Shuso Ozen is just a really special opportunity, you know, uh, because after you just kind of return to your relatively ordinary citizenship. You know, you're not in this special seat and, you know, you're facing the wall. And uh, so uh, it's 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 kind of a once in a lifetime thing. It's just it's a great honor. It's something I think just really wonderful tradition that we have in Soto Zen. Uh, And so let's really enact it today as, as best we can all together. Thank you. Beings are numerous. I vow to reckon with them. Delusions are inexhaustible. I vow to win them. I am proud to be coming.